the FT. In the last few months, Nigeria has gone through a historic election in which an incumbent president was defeated for the first time in the country's history. All this against the backdrop of falling oil prices, corruption scandals, and an Islamist insurgency. As part of an FT Weekend magazine special edition, we looked at the events in Nigeria. I'm Rula Khalaf, foreign editor. And with me to discuss Nigeria is the FT Africa expert, William Wallace. William, tell us about your piece in The Weekend magazine and why Nigeria's progress is so vital for the rest of Africa. Well, first of all, one in five black Africans is Nigerian. One in 40 humans is Nigerian. And Nigeria's economy is now about a fifth of the total economy of Africa. And a lot of the hopes about Africa's progress over the last 15 years have been predicated on improved governance in Nigeria, an emerging middle class, and a a kind of renaissance in business and the arts that's been taking place there. But a lot of that recent progress has begun to unravel, and it's been a very turbulent period in the last few years in Nigeria. And so it was a very pivotal moment. William, it was a very close call. Could Nigeria have tipped into chaos and violence if the election had gone differently? I think a lot of Nigerians feared that would happen, that if there had been an attempt by the ruling party to rig the election and prevent the opposition candidate, former military ruler Mohamedou Buhari, from winning, that it would have ended up in serious violence. Your piece is a travelogue. You were going all around the country for months before and after the election. What were your most striking impressions? Well, first of all, there is still this great kind of hope and buzz about the commercial capital, Lagos, which is a city of about 16 million people, where desperate poverty rubs up against huge riches, but where also there's a real feeling that people are getting things done, turning their dreams into reality. So you have this great buzz there. But then I traveled to the Niger Delta, where oil is produced, which is still, you know, after all these years, really a big mess. And then I also went up to the north. And it is really striking the disparities between the different regions in Nigeria. How serious is the Islamist insurgency? Well, it's something that has snowballed in the last 10 years, essentially, and that wasn't taken seriously enough in its initial stages and was able, therefore, to gain a grip on a large swathe of the northeast of the country. It's claimed the lives of many, many thousands of people, and it's also destroyed the lives of many hundreds of thousands of other people who've had to flee the area following really horrific massacres and atrocities. So it's something that had really begun to seriously destabilize the nation. In addition to the Boko Haram insurgency, President Buhari has a massive job ahead of him. How's he been doing so far? Well, his task is hugely complicated by the fact that the price of oil on which Nigeria's state depends for about two-thirds of revenues has dropped dramatically since last year. So there's very little cash to paper over the cracks in the system. So he has very few resources to carry out the things that he's promised to carry out. Well, what he's been very strong on initially is trying to recover some of the money that was stolen during the period that the previous 
previous president was in power. And I think he, by his nature, he's a very austere, rather inscrutable former general, um, has instilled a kind of fear in people in public service. And that has already begun to have an effect. Moribund public institutions have started to revive simply because people are afraid that if they don't do their job, they'll get in trouble. But there are other worries. It's nearly two months since he assumed office and he still hasn't appointed a cabinet or a government or indeed some of his key presidency officials. And that's beginning to worry people and earning him a reputation as someone who's very slow moving. Well, he did come in with a reputation of a strong man. How worried are Nigerians that he might actually turn into an undemocratic leader? Well, I think there's two sides to that, because I think things had got so out of control and the rule of law had broken down to such an extent under the previous administration that part of the reasons why he was elected was that people wanted to see a stronger leader and someone who was going to end this period of impunity for corruption in particular. So there's that side to it. But people are worried. There are people being arrested, former officials being arrested. I think the, the jury's still out on that one. William, one of the people you profile in the piece is Lamido Sinusi, the former central bank governor, who had raised the issue of missing billions from oil revenue. Tell us what he's up to now. Well, I travelled up to the ancient city of Kano at the top of the country, where he is now the emir of Kano. And rather fortuitously for him, he was appointed into that position, which is hereditary, on the death of the previous emir, just three days after his formal tenure at the central bank came to an end. He'd actually been suspended many months before, after his revelations about missing billions. He's a very courageous public intellectual who suddenly found himself at the heart of this very conservative ancient institution where he's trying to use it as a platform to revive the North, to reform the Islamic education system, for example. William, thank you. And if you'd like to read more and learn more about Nigeria and our Africa coverage, you'll find it in particular this weekend in the FT Weekend magazine and every day online. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.